0: Celebration Church. Pastor Mark Gunger here. Well, obviously not here, but on the big screen. uh, Welcoming you to the service today. Um, Several months ago, uh, Deb and I got a call from uh, some people, a church in Hawaii, asked if we'd be willing to come to the island of Maui to do a marriage seminar. And I said, well, let me pray about it. Yes. And uh, so anyway, that's where we've been all week. We went early so that we could kind of have a, a working vacation, kind of a half a week off anyway in in the beautiful island of of, of Maui and doing marriage ministry uh, this weekend today. Um, But covering for me today is my brother Eddie. We're so glad that he's here. We appreciate Ed when he comes and he brings such a great word of encouragement and great teaching to the church. Always get such great responses uh, every time Ed's here ministering. So open your hearts this morning as Ed comes to minister the word of God to you and we will look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.
1: Good morning, everyone. Why don't you stand with me as we pray? Father, we are forever grateful for the fact that you are longing to be involved with our lives, that you are looking for an expression through our lives into this world. Thank you that you certainly could have used angels or could have done it yourself, but you chose to get involved in the human experience, and we welcome that. Thank you that you love us, that you believe in us, that you... That you trust us. And in this morning, we open our hearts to you and ask you to do your work in us. We say yes to you. Mess with us. Do stuff. Pull stuff out. Put stuff in. Whatever you want to do. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. I would not you go and be seated. It's always a delight to be with you in Green Bay. Especially when the weather gets warmer, it's even more of a delight. Psalm 100, the psalmist writes, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We didn't make Him up, He made us up. And we are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. We are God's sheep. I want to talk with you about that, the fact that we're God's sheep. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that sometimes sheep get in trouble. And I've entitled the message, What to Do When the Sheep Hits the Fan. (laughs) When trouble comes into your life and, uh, and you need God's help... (laughs) I don't have any real hard or fast rules or tricks or anything like that but, but I have some things to suggest to you that I think are important things and if you'll do them when life gets a little stinky you'll find out that God will come and be strong in your life the first thing to do when things go south I'm talking about maybe the doctor tells you that you're seriously ill or maybe your boss tells you that they're downsizing and, and you need to start looking for a job. You're going to be laid off or let go of. Or or maybe um, your spouse has announced to you that, that they have decided they no longer love you. Or maybe you're stuck in your life somewhere. You're, you have a pattern of sin that's winning. And you're starting to feel like it'll never change. Um, you feel like somebody has done something to you that you know, even though the scripture calls us to forgive, you just don't think you'll ever be able to forgive. Or maybe on some level normalcy is eluding you. Maybe you're dealing with midlife crisis or menopause or some sort of a mental health issue or or maybe you have some dysfunctions in your life, sleeping disorder, I mean, whatever. The reality is we're living in a world where bad things happen. And sometimes that stuff engages with and seems to overwhelm God's sheep. What do you do? Well, the first thing I think is you and I have got to decide as followers, as apprentices of Jesus. We've got to decide that we're not going to panic. Now that's really hard not to do. <laughs> but but you have to realize that in order to really trust God, in order to really have faith, you cannot give way to fear. In fact, I'm convinced that sometimes the reason that we want to trust God is because we're so afraid. The reason we want to pray is because we're freaked out. But here's a newsflash. Scared praying don't work. Bad English, but scared praying doesn't work. You can't pray out of fear. You can't have faith on top of the foundation of fear. You've got to deal with fear first. So when stuff hits you or you hit stuff... The first thing you need to do is stop and say, I'm not going to panic. Again, I didn't say that's easy. Sometimes that's done best by getting alone and talking to yourself, telling yourself, get a grip. And so we see that over and over in the Scriptures. In Psalm 42 and 11, the psalmist is going through having a bad day, and he's telling himself, Hey, man, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so freaked out within me? Put your hope in God. Do you hear that, self? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. In other words, what he's saying is, I don't know how this is going to work out, but God's going to figure out how to get this thing turned around. All right. Now, here's some good news. I mean, actually, it's not such good news. It's kind of bad news. But um, sometimes God turns stuff around immediately. And I love that. That's the instant stuff. Sometimes God doesn't turn around stuff immediately. But over time, you look back and you think, whoa, what was a disaster. God somehow has wiggled and rejiggered into something else. And and sometimes he does it with such flair and such beauty that you're almost convinced that he sent the bad stuff in the first place to bring all this good that came. God doesn't send bad stuff to bring good. God doesn't need evil to bring good. He's not a devil. Right? Okay. So he never brings evil. But God is so good, so wonderful, that even when the worst stuff happens, if you'll trust him in spite of it, over time, God will begin to turn it around and actually work good out of stuff that was bad. He's able to work all things into good for those who love him. Isn't that sweet? So, so right, sometimes when stuff hits you or when trouble comes, God will turn it around right away. We all love that. Sometimes he doesn't, but over time, as you look back, it works that out. And sometimes God won't change stuff until eternity. Paul one time was talking about this guy that had really given him a really a bad time, Alexander the coppersmith. And he said, he said as he's writing, he said, now the Lord will repay him. He'll deal with this thing. In other words, this thing got so mixed up and so icky and so ugly that there, I don't even know if there's any way possible for it to be fixed this side of eternity. But there will be a day, family, when we go into, an, into a realm where every tear will be wiped away and every pain will be absolved and, and somehow all injustice, all injustice will be righted. And so God in eternity, can, be, if it doesn't get done immediately, if it doesn't get done over time, it'll get done eventually, you can trust that God is that good, right? So when stuff hits you, you say to yourself, "Saul, dude, listen, do not freak out. Chill, because God will be praised when this story is finished. Okay, so you don't panic. Talk to yourself about God's faithfulness. Remember that God is good. There's a story in 1 Samuel and this is about David. I mean, David, the Bible calls, as a guy after God's own heart. He's the king. He loves God. He's following God. And yet, even though he was, he had trouble. Listen, uh, there's some groups within the context of the church that, that talk as though if you had enough faith, you could obviate all trouble. But it just doesn't bear out. Those people that usually think that are either A, they just they just don't read their Bible very much to see the experiences of the people that are in the Bible. Or B, they just got saved and they don't have a freaking clue. <laughs> or they're so young they haven't had enough life experience. Right? Or something. Or they're so bullheaded. Well, I won't keep going. All right. The point is, is that if you, if you look at the scriptures, even the, the top guys and the top gals, they all had trouble. In fact, sometimes the ones with the greatest faith had the most trouble. Right? So you're in a world that has trouble and it isn't that it's always your fault. It isn't that it's always just the devil. Sometimes it's the devil, sometimes it's you, sometimes it's that person you married sometimes it's that teenage son (laughs) sometimes it's just you're in a fallen world and bad things happen Jesus one time talking to the disciples he was talking to them about this tower uh, that was in this place called Siloam and the Bible Jesus is talking with them and saying you know those, those people that died in the tower of Siloam that the whole tower fell over and killed them Jesus said do you suppose that those people that got killed are worse sinners than you guys the answer was rhetorically no they're not worse sinners what he was saying was the reason they died is because the tower fell (laughs) and and here's, here's here's the deal towers fall in a fallen world sometimes you get cancer sometimes stuff happens just because this isn't heaven sometimes it's the devil Sometimes it's because you smoked all those cigarettes. <laughs> right? Amen. Just bad things happen in the world. All right. So here's David, and he loves God, and he's following God, and yet he had some trouble. It says three days later, this is 1 Samuel 30. Three days later, David and his men arrived back from in, uh, in Ziklag, which is just a little south of Milwaukee. <laughs> And they tore Ziklag into pieces, these bad people. Amalekites had torn down the place. This is where David and, and his family and all of the pe- men that were following David in warfare, all their families were there. And so they captured all the women, young and old, and they, they didn't kill anyone, but they drove them like a herd of cattle. By the time David and his, his, his band of men entered the village, his warriors, it had been burned to the ground and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken, all of them were taken prisoner. Now they were doing the will of God, and yet in doing the will of God, they still had trouble. And David and all his men burst out into loud wails and wept and wept until they were exhausted with weeping. David had two wives that had been taken prisoner along with the rest. And suddenly David was even in worse trouble because there was talk among the men bitter over the loss of their families. They were talking about stoning David. So not only has he lost everything, the king, his own guys are talking about killing him. This does not make for a good day. So David strengthened, watch this, David strengthened himself with trust in his God. See, sometimes you just got to get by yourself. Nobody can do this for you. And you've got to decide, I'm not going to freak out. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm refusing to be in fear because you cannot trust. You cannot have faith when your soul is filled with fear. And sometimes you've got to just talk to yourself. Self, do not fear. I'm not giving way to fear. I'm going to trust in God. And he ordered Abiathar, the priest, to come and bring the aphid so he could consult God. He was deciding, I'm going to go after God. All right, so number one, if stuff happens, don't freak out. Number two grab the horns of the altar. Let me explain this one. In the Old Testament there was an altar and when people got in trouble, even when they were guilty, they'd run for those horns because there was something of safety in that. Listen to this. This is First Kings 1. It says, but Adonijah in fear of Solomon he ran and took hold of the horns of the altar. We see why in Leviticus 4. The reason they used to grab these horns of the altar, and you see it salt and peppered in scripture, people would do this. In Leviticus 4 4 it says then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar blood of the sin offering what did the blood always symbolize forgiveness the sin offering was people sin they needed forgiveness so they took the blood from this sin offering and wiped it on that horn of the altar why would they grab the horns of the altar because they were basically saying I may have sinned but I'm asking for safety Say." The horns of the altar was the place where even the guilty person could find safety. For us, it's the cross. There's a verse in Colossians 2 that says, this is the New Living Translation, You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive, even though you were dead. God made you alive with Jesus. He forgave you. All our sins. How many think that's pretty cool, right there? How many are glad? How many? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Oh, dude! He canceled the record of the charges against us. He canceled it by nailing those those those, those charges to the cross. In this way, he disarmed. The spiritual rulers and authorities, talking about Satan's right to accuse you. He's the accuser of the brethren saying, Oh, don't you remember when you were 18, you did this? Don't you remember when you did that? Don't you remember when you were a kid, you made that decision? Don't you remember that divorce? Don't you remember that abortion? Don't you remember that sin you didn't don't you See, he says he takes all of those charges, even though they might be legitimate charges, and he puts them on the cross, nails them to the cross, and disarms the accuser who was shamed publicly by his victory over them in the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you. Now here's the point. There is no way that trouble has the right to stay attached to your life. It may happen to you, but it can't win. It may seem like it wants to stay there, but it has no right to stay there. Don't think, maybe I deserve this. Don't think, maybe God is punishing me. Don't entertain, maybe this is my fault. Because the reality is, it might be your fault. You might deserve it. In fact, all of us deserve all the bad we get, plus time in hell. At least two weeks. Right? How many of you know you deserve? Nothing good, right? And yet, it doesn't matter. Because even if it's your fault, even if you're, these charges are legitimate charges, because of the cross, it doesn't matter. The cross cleanses us from all ability to be blamed. We can stand before God as if we've never sinned, as if we've never failed. Because we belong to God. Touchdown heaven! I'm preaching myself happy this morning. (laughs) Sweet, sweet. See, when you think... Now, when you're there... And you, and you have said, God, I am not going to move in fear. I'm going to move in trust. And you grab those horns of those altars and you say to God, God, thank you for mercy. Thank you that everything that would give the, the right of this evil to come into my life, everything that would give it its right is broken. And I come before you and I'm here clinging to your mercy, clinging to your blood. While you're there, make sure you pour out your heart to God. Now, why do I say that? Here's something funny about God is um, I think he wants us to be honest. And sometimes those of us that are following the Lord, you know, especially when I first started in this thing, I kind of thought that when you came to God, you had to kind of put on the religious thing. You know, if you were going to pray, you didn't say, hey, God, you go, God the wonderful father and savior you know you had to kind of change your tone change your head you know change your position. just Just in my head I thought I had to make sure that I approached him with the right kind of uh, in the right kind of way and, and not understanding that God knows everything about you anyway he knows everything you think so you might as well just tell him what you're feeling Sometimes, you know, and just be honest with him. For some reason, I, I always had a little bit of resistance to it, because I kind of think, you know, I grew up uh, uh, in a in a very traditional church, uh, high church kind of situation, and and so I always kind of sat in the pew, and God was up there in the front, and you know, I kind of wanted to sneak around a little. And didn't, you know, you don't make yourself too obvious, right? And so, I, in my head, I thought I could never just spill my guts and say, well, I'm there, God, thank you for your mercy, but you know what? I think this stinks. Why did this happen to me? See, some Sometimes you've got to be able to tell God while you're holding on to His mercy that you're not really happy about what's going on. You've got to complain a little. You've got to whine. You've got to, what the Bible calls it, is lament. Do you ever read the Psalms where the Psalms is going, God, you're wonderful, but why have you forsaken me? I feel like a dog. And for some reason, I always, I never liked lamenting. I, you know, I thought you could, I thought you just whined to friends. And then came to the Lord, oh praise the name of Jesus, he's my rock, he's my fortress <laughs> right instead of, God life sucks <laughs> sometimes you have to tell God what you feel you know where I learned this was a precious Catholic nun, Sister Joseph Marie Marshfield, Wisconsin, in Catholic Charismatic Renewal. I'm this little Pentecostal kid, and here's here's Sister Joseph And she was always so honest it made me nervous. And one particular, you know, she, one particular morning I were meeting for this, for the for you know, in preparation for leadership stuff for this Bible study we were conducting with kids, and she looked at me and she said, I got so angry with God this morning. And I remember thinking, <laughs> You know, don't say that. She said, I was so angry. She said, you know, as a nun, he's my husband. Yeah. She said, well, so I asked her, I said, what did you do? She said, well, she said, I took my Bible and I threw it against the wall. And I said, when are you going to start treating me like a woman? I kid you not. My first thought was, and you lived to tell it? <laughs> you know, I even moved over just a little bit in case lightning struck her when I was there. <laughs> see, because in my mind, see, I, I had no place in my faith for lament. I had no place in my faith for total gut-wrenching honesty. See, I'm not saying that, that, that in her heart, the reason why she could talk to God like that is because she knew she loved God and she knew God would write everything eventually. But she emoted at him. That's what's so wonderful about the Psalms. Sometimes you hear praise and ah. I love you, Lord. In vain have I trusted him. You got the whole gamut of human emotion spewed out there. I love the Psalms. For those of us who are whiners, whine on. You know what the problem is, though? We want to just come to God and just, oh, praise the Lord and go out and whine to everybody else, you little sinner. I love this is Isaiah 38. This is a great example of this whining thing. Isaiah 38. In those days, Hezekiah got sick. He was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah. Think about this. This is like a... They call this guy a major prophet. (laughs) In other words, you don't... He's. Well, just read this. He said, uh, this major prophet guy comes to him and says, This is what the Lord says, uh, Hezekiah. Better put your house on earth because you're going to die. You're not going to recover. This is bad news. But Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed, and he just begins to pour out his heart talks about how he thinks he's obeyed God and he weeps bitterly he's just being honest he's basically saying god i don't get this i've done everything you've asked me to do i've followed you the best i know how yeah, it may not be true but it was his perspective and he's pouring his heart out before god and he's crying and it says then the word of the lord came to isaiah go back tell hezekiah this is what the lord the god of your father david says i've heard your prayer i've seen your cry your tears i've added 15 years to your life 15 of those puppies see what does that mean that means God loves a poured out heart he you and I need to pour out to God in the time of trouble in other words here comes trouble don't freak out grab the horns of the altar and hang there thanking God that this can't stay but pouring out your heart to God saying God what's going on knowing in the back of your mind that he's faithful okay number three Once you do that, then you're ready for what I think of as a personal revival. What do I mean by that? A couple of things. One is go back to the last thing you remember God speaking to you and ask yourself the question, are you doing it? Now, if nothing comes to your mind, forget about this point. But sometimes God has spoken to us about doing certain things like forgiving someone and we get used to not forgiving them and we just leave it there. You do not want to be in disobedience when you're in trouble. You want the obedience thing to be high gear, right? And so you tell, make sure you listen. Uh, it might be that God spoke to you about being involved with something. And 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 what you need to do is you need to go, just, just pause. It will come to you if there's something there and say, okay, God, I commit to going back and obeying the last thing I remember or things that you remember that you've let go. Also, when you're in this position, pray from the Psalms, a prayer like this. This is Psalm 139. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me. See if there are anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, what's happening here is you're basically, you've pushed away fear. You're trusting God. You've grabbed on the horns of the altar. You've poured out your heart. And then you're saying, God, while I'm here, I need you to work in me big time. Why? Because there needs to be a resounding yes in you in order for God's purpose to be unfolding in your life. It was, it was John the Baptist who came to the people and he said, Look, it, guys, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what that means? It's within your grasp. There's not a one of you sitting here that God's kingdom is not within your grasp. You can reach out and grab it. But in order to catch it, in order to see it, it was John who said, You need to repent. All repentance is, and we've gotten bad feelings about the word repentance because of the bullhorn people. You know, the mean bullhorn. <laughs> You know, that shows the love of Christ. Right? That's what you see. So, so we've got... But repentance isn't a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing because John said, in repentance, every, what you're doing is you're making every mountain come low, every valley come up, and you're making a highway for God to come into your life now that's a good idea and it says that when you do that the glory of the Lord will be revealed and everybody will see it together that God's working in your life so you want to whenever trouble comes to make sure you have enough time that you say God search me I just don't want there to be any offensive way in me go ahead and touch me go ahead and show stuff to me and you've got to kind of talk to God about it because God doesn't always just freely tell us everything that's wrong with us you know why because some of us are skittish we think we're perfect <laughs> and if god tells you everything well i'm glad he doesn't tell us everything because i think we'd all quit but there's a verse you remember this is jesus talking to his disciples in john 16 he says i have much more to say to you much more than you can now bear you need to come to god and say god i, I know I know that, that you don't always tell us everything that's wrong with us. It's, it's like you with friends. It's even sometime with your kids. You don't always tell them everything that's wrong with them. You, you just give them room to grow. You just wait. You hope they'll mature. You're not always forcing stuff. And sometimes even when your best friends say, well, do you see something wrong in my life? You're a little bit reticent to tell them because you don't want them to feel awkward or maybe possibly change the nature of the relationship because some people think friendship only means you applaud them right and it's difficult to sometimes have a relationship where you can actually the bible scripture talks about that that iron sharpens iron so one can sharpen another that means sparks fly it's hard to have a friendship where sparks fly Right? And that's true with God too. Sometimes we have to say yes to God to get into our stuff. And we need to say, God, go ahead, mess with me. Go ahead, make me feel uncomfortable. Talk to me about my life. When you're in trouble, ask God to mess with you. Tell him, show me whatever needs to change in me. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's like my kids used to come when they were little and they'd have these things in their like a, a splinter in their hand. Hey, Daddy, it hurts. And I'd say, okay, let me look at it. And the minute I touched their finger, ah! Give me your finger. Oh, scared, you know. And they finally get to it. I grab it again and I start trying to get it out. And the reality was, I had to make it hurt worse than it was hurting in order to get help to them. I had to bug it worse. And so sometimes they would freak out, but I tell them, "Listen, honey, if you don't let me get it out, here's where the story ends. You're going to leave it in there. It'll get inflamed. It'll start hurting worse pretty soon. Gangrene's going to set in. It's going to go into your hand and your bone. We're going to, to cut you off right there. <laughs> so what do you want? You want to hurt for a minute, or you want to lose your arm? <laughs> so here we come to God. God. <laughs> My marriage kind of hurts right now. And God says, let me talk to you about how you see your spouse. No! Don't hurt me. Just, I am amazed by how much you love me. And that's wonderful. But sometimes love has got to dig and hurt you. That went over big. (laughs) Sell tapes, Edwin. Sell tapes. (laughs) But if you let God hurt you and get that stuff out, you will be happier. Amen. Amen. All right. The last thing. If you're going to... If you're going to let God take stuff in your life and change stuff in your life. You need to decide to come to him in faith and not in fear push it off. You need to grab the horns of the altar. You need to have a personal revival. Let God speak to you about stuff. And finally, you need to understand, God has a way out for you. And his way out for you, don't be confused. Don't try to make everyone else's way out your way out. Don't try to make everyone else's story your story. You let God speak to to you you just cling to him let him speak to you and then respond whatever you feel in your heart you should respond to and go after it there's a friend of mine in Wisconsin actually he was one of the guys that came to our church and he was a smoker and he felt bad about it. You know, he, I mean, it's, you know, people in the church, in the Pentecostal church, are usually upset about sins like smoking, chewing, drinking, or hanging around with folks that are doing those things. Right? We're okay with judgment, hatred, bitterness, <laughs> lust. You know, all that stuff. All that stuff's fine. Gossip, prejudice, trashing the planet. But don't be smoking or chewing or hung around folks that are doing that. Right? So anyway, so he's in a you know, pretty charismatic church and he's a smoker. And he just said, you know, he's a single guy. And he said, I don't have any friends and I'm scared to get close to him because if I get close to him, they're going to smell it on me. So he's kind of a solo guy. You know, kind of, so he said, I said, I, I said, you know, I told him, I said, you understand this isn't any bigger of us than the others. He said, yeah, but I don't want to be bound to it. I thought, that's great. It's good to not be bound to things. Right? so I said well what do you want to do he said man I have done everything I mean I've crinkled up the cigarettes and threw them at the altar and then all that's done has cost me a lot of money I had to go buy more cigarettes you know <laughs> and he said I, you know the devil's been cast out of me threw up in a bag or whatever and you know i just i can't seem to get free of this i just it's been on me i said listen i said dude listen i said there god has a way out for you and he'll figure it out but let's be in between now and then i said here's what we do i said when you start he said you know pick up that sm- cigarette and smoke it you pick that up light that baby out inhale it and say thank you lord this is going to end you're going to help me get out of this so I'm going to enjoy it while I can, but I'm getting out of this, right? He laughed, you didn't. <laughs> it was a joke. So, you know, I told him, I said, you you smoke, you just, every time you puff on that, you thank God you're getting out of this. And I said, let's trust this. Over the next three months, sometime in the next three months, something's going to come across either A, you're going to have this sense that God's going to give you strength to just flat out go cold turkey and suffer. There's a friend of mine that she, it was a lady, she was a smoker for 18 or 20 years. And the way God delivered her from smoking, because she wanted to be delivered from smoking, is that he just spoke to her heart, it's going to hurt you for 30 days. You're going to suffer hard for 30 days, but then you'll be fine. And so she suffered for 30 days. You know, freaking out, because uh, she wanted to smoke those cigarettes. But God gave her grace to suffer. It's amazing how people don't get in lines and say, would you pray for me that that happens to me? people that have been praying for instantaneous freedom of stuff. All kinds of different stuff. So I said, I don't know what it will be. But I'm telling you that God's got a way out for you. So let's pray. And over, and so about three months we're praying. And I kept looking at him and said, how you doing? Said, I'm trusting God. And about two months into the deal, he came across a golf magazine where he was paging through. And he found this little thing, a little ad about getting free from smoking. that was built on time or whatever that you're supposed to do. this different things. And he said when I was looking at it, it kind of leapt out at me. And I thought, this will work for me. And he said he jumped into it. And it only took, it took him less time than it was supposed to happen. And he ended up being completely free and just rejoicing that God led him in a way out of a situation never thought he could get out of. Now when people hear stories like that, they often go, oh, which magazine was that? <laughs> You know what, what program was that? See, because we want to copy, we want to just find the little secret that gets us out. The joy of this thing is not in being having everything changed. The joy of faith is the fact that God is changing it. That's the joy. And so get on your own journey with God. I mean, what if God told you, you know, you really need a new bathroom? And so you say, God, I need a new bathroom. And all of a sudden, one day after you prayed, God shows up in his God truck. Comes and knocks on your door. You say, come in. He goes through the door. Oh, sweet. He comes into your room. And you say, God, you're here. Yeah, I'm here. Here for the bathroom. You say, it's right there. I know where it is. So he goes into your bathroom and he's taking stuff out. What would you do? Would you say, could you hurry? Is that what you'd say? Or would you say, when he start working his stuff, he'd say, you know, why don't you just take a break? Take your time. Come over here and have some coffee. He goes, I'm sorry, I only drink tea. You go, I thought you were Jehovah J- Jaffa. <laughs> the Lord of the Bean. <laughs> The Lord that awakeneth thee. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> How many of you would love God to take his sweet time? You'd call your friends and say, God, God's over. <laughs> he's working in my bathroom. Sweet. He's taking out the old stuff, putting in the new. And then when the day came when he finally finished and he goes out the door and gets in his God truck and takes off, you'd have that brand new bathroom. But something in you'd be gone it was more fun having him here than that new bathroom it was more fun knowing he was working than seeing the job done see family miracles are about connecting with God and when the miracle's going on you ought to never think time or care about any of that you just ought to be rejoicing that he's got a way for you a path for you and that you're going to just do it with him God God Be praised. Amen? Thanks.